Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Let me begin by observing, first of all, that 9,000 was the sum of years which had elapsed since the war which was said to have taken place between those who dwelt outside the pillars of Heracles and all who dwelt within them. Of the combatants, on the one side, the city of Athens was reported to have been the leader and to have fought out the war. The combatants, on the other side, were commanded by the kings of Atlantis, which, as I was saying, was an island greater in extent than Libya and Asia, and when afterwards sunk by an earthquake, became an impassable barrier of mud to voyagers sailing from hence to any part of the ocean. Greetings, Hushtillians. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, where we delve into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our own personal Aquaman, Slick Frank Sanders. I hate Aquaman. Slick Frank Sanders here. No, you don't. I do. You want those cool fish no, scale did- armor body... They did Aquaman dirty. You really just want Jason Momoa's body. Yeah, dude. They did him dirt. He's not Uh, supposed to look like that. Sweet glistening body. They didn't change his face at all, which is kind of funny. Why would they change his face? Was he supposed to have gills? They're not not like, dude, you have to shave or this or that. Like, he was just like, just be yourself. (laughs) Well, his self is what sells. That's true. I'd want those scaly pecs. In this installment, we dive 20,000 leagues under the sea to the depths and explore one of the greatest mysteries of all lost civilizations, Atlantis. Ancient writers have viewed Atlantis as a powerful and advanced kingdom that sank in a night and a day into the ocean around 9600 BC. Some believe it to be fictional or metaphorical myth, while others claim it to be real and most notably written in Plato's dialogues, Timaeus and Critias. Was Atlantis a real place filled with a high civilization? Is it located under the sea? Under the sea. Under the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Or or copyright infringement. We're sued by Disney. Yeah, Disney just (laughs) fucked us. Yep. Or above ground on the African continent, or even somewhere else. Was it just a story? Could it be extraterrestrial or even a ship that departed Earth? But before we seal the hatch, be sure to check us out on all our social medias. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and that ever-delicious Twitch and Discord. You guys should join over there and talk to us. We'll talk conspiracies. We'll get sexy. It's gonna be nice. As well as the official website for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, www.hushhushsociety.com. 
There you can find all of our episodes from our debriefings, declassified discussions, cryptid chronicles, as well as merch, news, blogs, and the ability to drop that ever-coveted review. (laughs) Hit those T's, boys. Listen, you guys should really head over to check out the new Hush merch designs. That bird logo? Oh. Poppin'. Stay rocking it. Fuego. Got some pretty funny ones in the works, too. Poor taste. <laughs> Very poor taste. Do you like Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> you can become a patron today with two tiers to choose from. The Hush Not tier at $3 and the Hushling tier at $5. You get access to our juicy catalog of exclusive debriefings, new segments like Mystery Mike's Cryptid Erotica, and merch drops. Join at www.patreon.com slash hush hush society. Yes, hushlings, our Patreon is heating up. Be on the lookout for new Frong Factor every month, some very erotic speakings by Mystery Mike, if you're into that sort of thing. And don't forget those exclusive debriefings, debriefings just like this, except they are exclusive to Cool Cat Patreon members, Hushling tier only. We should just make everything Hushling tier. One tier. Yeah, one tier. One titty just tier. Drop it. Drop the Hushtronaut tier. You heard it here first. One tier. That's what we're moving to. One tier? Five dollars gets you everything. Nipple shots from Declassified Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All neck pictures from Slick Frank. <laughs> just the neck. Let's dip our toes in the sand, Mike. Atlantis is a legendary islander continent supposed to have existed in the Atlantic west of Gibraltar and to have sunk into the ocean. It's described that it was circular in formation with many harbors. According to the references from Plato and his dialogues Timaeus and Critias, the island of Atlantis was the chosen domain of Poseidon, who was worshipped by the Atlanteans. They often showed their faith in the Temple of Poseidon. And additionally, he's referred to as the Earthshaker. Before we get into this, I just want to get a little take from you guys. What do you think, briefly, what do you think Atlantis was? I think it was probably an island that had a high civilization on it that was from a long time ago that has been skewed by history's game of telephone. Frank? I don't know much about Atlantis besides what your average everyday person would know. Just the legend of this mysterious place that disappeared, that sunk, that had this higher civilization. I couldn't tell you where I think it is, but thinking a little bit outside of the box, maybe it's beyond one of those one of those flat earth ice walls. Maybe, mm. maybe it's on the other side. It is proposed. Maybe it's just rumor that people here saw it. Who knows? I do like the thought of it possibly referring to a hollow earth model. That, I think, is one of the best explanations for it in my mind so far. I like that. That's something that we mentioned when we did the Antarctic Bases episode, I believe, is the possibility of that Atlantis story of the three concentric rings just being three concentric shells of the earth. That's right, we did. Wow. Mm. Hollow Earth was about exactly a year ago. The universe is aligning, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Synchronicities. Well, as we are thinking about this famed land of Atlantis, let's look at some of the places here on this shell of the Earth where it might have been. 
British author Peter Daughtry said that Plato wrote that the capital was in the center of the kingdom, but was surrounded by seawater and only 5.7 miles or 9.25 kilometers from the coast. The Arade River measures exactly 5.7 miles upstream from the coastal inlet before reaching Silvis and is tidal. That means that the water would rise and fall throughout the day with the inlets. In Plato's writings, he uses the term stades, which is the Greek term for stadium. It's about 607 feet for one stade. Peter Daughtry, using that measurement, had said that in this area of Silves in Portugal, you can actually measure the five and three quarters or so miles from there to the ocean and see the actual topography, I guess, of where they would have these canals and other things. So the way that he described it, because Atlantis is described in rings, is that one of the canals was one stade wide, and then there was a wall with a large earth embankment that was two stades wide, then another canal that was two stades wide, then another hill that was three stades wide, then a harbor as well, three stades wide, from the center to the ocean. And it kind of matches up. When you break that down, we're looking at a three-mile radius of the city of Atlantis, or the proposed spot in Silves, Portugal. So that's six-mile-wide city. It's a pretty big city for back in the day. One of the more recent Atlantean theories concerns the Minoans, a civilization that flourished more than 4,000 years ago on the Greek islands of Crete and Thera, which is now Santorini. The Minoans, named after the legendary king Minos. The Minoans were thought to be Europe's first great civilization, and they built magnificent palaces, paved roads, and were the first Europeans to have an actual written language. However, at the height of their power, the Minoans vanished from history. Hmm, curious. Sus alert. <laughs> the island in the Aegean Sea is the only hypothetical site for Atlantis that is considered as a possibility by mainstream academics. Its beaches of red, white, and black sand correspond with the tricolor stone described by Plato in the original story of Atlantis, and its extraordinary ring-shaped caldera is geological evidence that may have inspired the tale of the mighty civilization, quote, destroyed by earthquakes and floods. The discovery in 1967 of the ancient port city of Akrotiri which had been buried under several meters of ash for 3,600 years, revealed frescoes that appeared to echo details from the original Atlantis story. One thing about Santorini, though, I mean, it's a giant volcano. If you do take the landmass of Santorini and put the landmass before that volcanic eruption, it does kind of look like Atlantis in some of those drawn maps. And it's in the Aegean Sea, in the same area where you would have the Greeks and the Egyptians Bringing up this caldera, you were just talking about a volcano being there. So is it possible this is something that actually currently happens? I forget where, I just saw it. But could they have been a city that was living literally in the middle of a volcano? Yeah. I don't see why not. It still lines up, yeah. So look at the ring structure, and they're saying that the city was in the center of it. If you take the volcano... You put the main capital into the center of this volcano, and then you look at the description. There was a large earth embankment that was two stades wide, which equals 1,200 feet. 
So 1,200 feet wide, there was an earth embankment, which could be the side of the volcano, which goes into a canal outward concentrically. Is it possible that they were one of these civilizations or one of these peoples that lived in the center of what they thought was a sleeping volcano? Well, sidetrack on that a little bit. If they were a very advanced civilization and say they had electricity or power or something of that nature, Mm. my mind jumps to, okay, well, if they decided to settle up on a volcano, why would they do that if they were so advanced? And then it popped into my head, geothermal energy, which is heat within the earth. They could have been harvesting it from that. It's a renewable energy source. It's not going to run out, especially if you're sitting on a volcano. Like that's, that's a straight shot. Mm. And the power source is right there beneath you. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting thoughts. Interesting thoughts. Moving westward, the Azores is an Atlantic archipelago that plays a key role in some of the most influential of Atlantis theories of all time. In 1882, the former U.S. Congressman Ignatius Donnelly published Atlantis, The Antediluvian World, the book that launched the modern search for Plato's lost city. Donnelly's thesis is still generally recognized. Atlantis was a continent in the mid-Atlantic suddenly dropped to the ocean floor. It was widely ridiculed since the discovery of plate tectonics, even though the circular path of the Gulf Stream allegedly still traced its rough outline. The mighty empire was reduced to the tips of its towering mountains, which are now known as the Azores. Think about this. In Plato's writings, it was mentioned that it was near the Pillars of Hercules. Next, we have a little bit of info from our good old friend Randall Carlson, who is a geological and anthropological theorist and the proponent of the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis and has theorized about the extinction of historical advanced human civilizations. Randall Carlson's a G. We hope to get him on the show. It would be great. That would be a great conversation. And he states in a more recent episode on the Joe Rogan experience, he talks about Atlantis with him and that the sunken Azores Plateau is the most consistent region with Plato's accounts of where the city should have been. It also sits on a triple plate junction, so between the Atlantic, Eurasian, and the African plates in the middle of the Atlantic Ridge. So that's about 1,300 miles due west of the Straits of Gibraltar, which we just spoke about which is mentioned by Plato as the Pillars of Hercules. The Pillars of Hercules are just two chiseled-ass biceps coming out of the out of the ground. Are they? That's all it is. No. Just look at these fucking guns. You fooled me. I mean, I bl- I'd believe it. Well, now you do. It's real. It's real if you want it to be real, Frank. It's real. Prove me otherwise. <laughs> believe in Hercules' strong-ass buff arms. <laughs> holding you in a sweet embrace that's really what it was it's just like a peak that looks over atlantis it's like a make-out point and you just go and and you're held by hercules muscular arms and you're supposed to just like stand there and look out oh i love this view it's amazing put your strong arms around me that could have been it hercules could be your next uh In the interview, he mentioned since 1948, they were taking core samples from a seamount around the Azores. If you don't know what a seamount is, a mesa-looking terrain. If you don't know what a mesa is, it's a mountain with the top of it cut off. Is it submerged in the water? Yes. Okay. They found cobble-sized stones, which were radiocarbon dated to about 12,000 years ago, give or take. 
meaning that it would have been above the sea at that point. And the ship that actually did this research was ironically called the Atlantis, Mm. which I found kind of funny. Randall Carlson's got some crazy shit to say about this whole theory. Pushing real hard further east, the name Agadir shares a Phoenician root with Gades, the mysterious land where Plato said Atlantis was located. Agadir sits south on the Straits of Gibraltar, the likeliest candidate for the Pillars of Hercules Madstrong, which Plato wrote sat opposite Atlantis. Overlooking its beautiful waters late at night with the moon and the starlight. Hercules, turn the lights on. And Agadir's position near an undersea fault line leaves it vulnerable to the sorts of, quote, earthquakes and floods that can destroy a city in a day and a night. In fact, such a disaster leveled Agadir in 1960, wiping out most of its old city. Pour one out. If we're looking at the most likely spot, or one of the most likely spots that it could be, earthquakes, floods, volcanoes. Anywhere where you probably have volcanic, tectonic cities are fucked. Yeah. I think Morocco and the Azores, and even in Santorini, they're very good candidates for where this could be. But Morocco and the Azores, in the descriptions of what his accounts are, seem to be even more likely candidates because those pillars of Hercules were mentioned. The strong arms. The strong arms. (laughs) Another prominent researcher who is in search of the location of Atlantis is Bruce Blackburn. He is the CEO of Merlin Burroughs, which is a high-tech company that believes they might have finally pinpointed the location of where the city once stood. He says that his company used satellite data to comb an area off the coast of Spain's Doñana National Park, near the coastal city of Hell of a Spain. That's a hell of a spot. Woo. That's a... <laughs> Mr. Blackburn says they found what he believes is remains of temples and towers, dating the material which is thought to be early concrete, suggested that it was between 10,000 and 12,000 years old, which would fit the rough timeline of when Atlantis was said to have existed. Mm. Think about it. Think about it. Now they're finding archaeological evidence. See, that's what I back it with. There's got to be some sort of remnants of a city. Like, yeah, you can have all these concentric rings and you could say there's these land masses and all this other stuff, but there definitely has to be some sort of remains of a city, whether it be the roads, whether it be buildings, stone walls, retention walls, whatever it may be. There's got to be some hard evidence. But so far, the places that we've talked about up until this point haven't really had any concrete, (laughs) see what I did there, evidence suggesting that there was even a city there. You're just looking at the shapes of what possibly could have been the concentric rings of this city whereas this place has actual evidence of it yeah the company stated that they have actual evidence of it we've looked at many different places around the world where atlantis could have been let's move to uh, a nice sunny little spot in the caribbean how do you say do you say caribbean or caribbean the caribbean pirates of the caribbean the, no some people say the caribbean pirates of the caribbean I've been Pirates to the Caribbean. 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 Is it Caribbean? Caribbean. Is that what the Caribbean people say? That's what the Caribbean Carib- people say. Welcome to Caribbean. Yeah, but that's because of their R thing. Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's Caribbean. I just thought that if, depending on where we where we live or where we're from, since we are from New England, that it would be Caribbean or Caribbean. But it's the Caribbean. 
Andrew Collins, who wrote Atlantis in the Caribbean and the Comet that Changed the World, shows that what Plato recounts is the memory of a major cataclysm at the end of the last ice age, 13,000 years ago. When a comet devastated the island of Cuba and submerged part of the Bahamian landmass in the Caribbean. That comet that destroyed Atlantis in the Caribbean was the same comet that formed the mysterious and numerous elliptical depressions known as the Carolina Bays, found across the mid-Atlantic near the United States. He speaks of sunken ruins off the coasts of both Cuba and the Bahamas, ancient complexes spanning more than 10 acres that clearly suggest urban development and meticulously planned road systems. Now the road system you're talking about is Bimini Road, mm -hmm. which is just near North Bimini Island in the Bahamas. And if you've seen the pictures of this, I mean, it looks like a man-made road. Take me down to the Bimini city where the water is deep and the girls have titties. Take me home. I didn't think it was going to go that route. I thought it was going to go somewhere else. This comet thing is interesting, though. I will say it's an interesting thought because if you look at pictures of where it's proposed that Atlantis was, it does kind of look like comet impact. And then the rippling effect of the land outwards from that impact true so what andrew collins is saying is that maybe plato was just like no nah, i'm not talking literally about a city or he is talking about a city but the description of the city is what follows this major cataclysmic comet i think that's a major theme of when atlantis the actual civilization was supposed to be in existence yeah and it's right around that time and circling back to Randall Carlson and getting into like Graham Hancock where they talk about that 13,000 year cataclysmic event that happened. That lines up also with what Andrew Collins is saying. The thing with the comet that I can't really get along with is I feel like there would be definite evidence, okay, a comet hit right here, right? Yeah. So if it was making impact with a landmass, and that landmass was off the coast of Greece, off the coast of Morocco, off the coast of the Caribbean, no matter where it be, I feel like there would be evidence of a comet impact near one of those landmasses. Like it would have affected Greece or Morocco or the Caribbean, and they would have that sort of geological data where they could say, okay, this comet hit a little island right off the coast, and here's the results of what we're seeing on the neighboring landmass. Yeah. Well, you have to remember, too, that all these areas, the Bahamas, Cuba, the Azores, the Aegean Sea, are highly tectonic areas. Even in the course of 13,000 years or so, that much volcanism and earthquakes could have completely changed the underwater formations. I guess when you have, was it the Chilibub crater? That's pretty close to it off the tip of the Yucatan that killed the dinosaurs. You can barely tell that that's a crater. You have to do LIDAR scans yeah. and actually see the topography of it, and you can see the crater of that. I think what Randall Carlson's proposing, that between the window of 13,000 and 11,000 years ago, we got hit by fragments of comets, say, around the North American continent. Anything that's a big enough rock could probably create a flood, tidal waves. Yeah, tsunamis. Stuff like that. Tsunamis and unimaginable proportions. If Atlantis was in the Caribbean or even out in the Azores... 13,000 years ago. A lot has changed land-wise. A lot has changed, yeah. Imagine that, though. Imagine being so vastly unlucky. If a comet came to Earth right now, we have 
tens of thousands of cities, buildings, there's a higher chance of that comet hitting some sort of city. But now place yourself 13,000 years ago where there's probably worldwide fucking 20 different cities and you're just that lucky fucking duck. <laughs> Damn, it could have landed three miles away and completely avoided the city. But no, we got fucking hit head on. How awesome. Just just sitting on your porch in Atlantis. Life is good. You guys are fucking technologically advanced. UFOs are flying around. <laughs> You're watching fucking Atlantean news on, on your fucking proto-television. Then all of a sudden, you look outside, and you're like, wow, that star is getting really fucking close. You just see a flash. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, fucking Hiroshima. Fucking done. Oh, God. Done. Dunzo. Fucking vaporized. Terrible. This Young Adrias thing that Randall Carlson talks about, I think it's wiped off 60% of all living things. So it was a global event. But your city is the bullseye. But your, but your city. <laughs> it could have landed anywhere on this massive fucking planet and it drops on your head. Ugh. <laughs> At least you didn't feel it. <laughs> or he did. Or yeah. With the comet theory or the asteroid theory or whatever, they're suggesting that this wiped out 60% of the planet's population. At the time, yeah. If they're saying that, if they're correlating that, they got to know of an impact site. They can't just say, well, this comet, it wiped off more than half of the planet's population, but you don't know of the impact site? Well, in Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson's theory of it, it directly impacted the ice sheets around mid-Canada. That would have instantly melted those ice sheets. And there were multiple impacts, which caused massive floods, which ocean levels rise within a very short timeline, not in what we think geologically, which thousands, hundred thousands, millions of years. They're talking within days. Yeah. They can see it all over the world. They have the two, what, the two Meltwater Pulse A and Meltwater Pulse 1B or something like that. And you can see when the sea levels rose drastically, this would have been a global thing. So any civilization that would have been there around that time, no matter where it was, was drastically fucked, especially if you were in an oceanic area. And you're thinking in terms of the initial impact killing 60% of living things. It's not necessarily the impact, it's everything that followed, like Dave said, like flooding and ocean level rise and wiping yeah. out different living areas. It's not necessarily just the explosion, it's just every occurrence that followed after because of that. That's why I would love to have one of these guys on, because the Young Adrias thing is an awesome conversation to have, of knowing how dangerous and volatile space weather is to us. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushtonauts. In this installment, we board the SF-1 Hush and blast off as we arrive back on the moon. This trip, we don't question if we went there. We question what the moon actually is. Is our neighboring satellite that we come to know and ultimately depend on artificial? Possibly a spacecraft? Was it placed here for the purpose of stability of life on Earth? Did it come from a cosmic cataclysm? Is it made of cheese? Most importantly, is it hollow? Join the Hush House Society Conspiracy Hour Monday, March 14th for Debriefing 44 Hollow Moon Theory. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Let's get back to Andrew Collins a little bit, though. 
He even commented that there was an ancient transatlantis trade that has evidence from Egyptian mummies to Roman shipwrecks in the Western Atlantic, and the African features of the giant stone heads in Mexico, I believe the Olmec heads, I guess tying into the fact that there was an advanced civilization that was global at that point, because they've dated a lot of these things around the same time. That's one thing that a lot of people have talked about when you discuss the civilization of Atlantis is that it was the melting pot of all these different cultures that came together in this great city. When he's saying there's evidence of Egyptian mummies and Roman shipwrecks and African things and Mexican things, this was a global economy that all came together at the epicenter being Atlantis. Collins goes on to say that there were wildfires, earthquakes, tsunamis, days of darkness, and advancement of ice sheets that followed the ancient comet's impact. Most obviously in Cuba, because it's an island, Atlantis's proposed central island. In the Caribbean, they're thinking that Cuba was the central island. Days of darkness, that's scary. Well, that would actually correlate to probably a comet impact. Plumes of smoke. Especially where it would hit, this could be a different impact that was more local than just the Young Adrias that we proposed before. When you do have common impacts like that, you would probably see in the coming days wildfires, definitely earthquakes, because smacking into a planet at 40,000 something miles an hour, depending on the size of the rock, is definitely catastrophic. Tsunamis, if it hit in the ocean, for sure. The ice caps melting, for sure. And then the nuclear winter that would come with it, however many days of darkness you think about the timeline of stuff we've had an ice age in recent history i believe it was in the 1300s or so to the 1500s it was when we had the bubonic plague and that was like a smaller ice age where everything was colder in more recent times we're also thinking in terms of a singular celestial body hitting yes if you're thinking about fragments then you're thinking about multiple pieces of something so if a comet broke up into smaller but still significantly large pieces enough to make impact who knows how many of those fragments hit where they hit what they caused in their impact could have been global like i said we're thinking of one single comet but if it broke up into fragments one hits the ice caps one hits the caribbean who knows maybe all these spots and all these locations that we're talking about did experience some sort of impact or were affected by one of those impacts in a major way, which globally fucked us up for a while. Which most notably would be floods in these stories, or I guess tsunamis. Sank into the sea. Another interesting spot that we see that could be a possible location for where Atlantis was is in Mauritania. If you're not familiar, Mauritania is in West Africa. There is a structure called the Rishat structure, or the Eye of the Sahara. If you don't know what that is, it looks like a ringed formation. Interestingly enough, the CIA in 1967 deployed military aircraft to study areas of the world for geomagnetic anomalies, and this was one of them. Yeah, the Rishat is an awesome spot. It's one you can see through satellite pictures, and if you went on nothing other than a visual, you would honestly think this was the spot for Atlantis. Absolutely. If you've seen images of this, I mean, that's what you would think. I believe that there are people who have superimposed the proposed Atlantis inside of it, 
and Atlantis is a lot smaller than the actual feature, but it's pretty compelling. It's not very close to the ocean, but could it have been very close to the ocean 13,000 years ago? Maybe. I actually just watched a clip the other day of Randall Carlson talking about this on Joe Rogan. More so interesting than just the concentric rings that you can see. There's these massive just waves of sand surrounding it, which kind of makes it look like, okay, there was water here. There was currents here that were forming the sand like this, forming the land, which again, it was a really long time ago. Maybe not. The wrist shot is 40 kilometers which comes out to roughly 24 miles. And what did we figure out? That the city itself would have been six miles, roughly? Something like that, yep. But looking at the Rishat structure, it goes beyond the three concentric rings that you're really looking at. The sizing doesn't really match up with it. The overall dimensions of what's mentioned versus what actually is the Rishat structure that interview, he does state that there is two impact craters that are just north of this area as well. Yeah. That are in the desert. Another location that got pelted by space rocks. They live in the time of getting hit by space rocks. We live in the time of stuffed crust pizza. <laughs> yeah, so, amazing, right? Yeah. But also think 13,000 years ago, sea levels are different. If you're looking at the wrist shot, it's in a spot that possibly could have been underwater at the time. Yeah. If it is hit with a large enough fragment of some sort of comet, comes down a fragment large enough, it's not going to go deep into the land, which you don't see a depression in the land, but you see the concentric rings, which could possibly be wave movement after the impact. It's a very strange looking thing. It looks like an impact crater, but it doesn't. I think the actual explanation for it is that it's an eroded geological dome. So, like, those are the different... Oh, don't mention the fucking dome. Oh, it's a geological firmament. <laughs> and it has gone a ton of hydrothermal alterations. It used to be a geologically active area. It's a very interesting structure. So, Hushlings, if you get a chance, just look it up. It's very cool. And if you do look it up, keep in mind that those ripples are literally the size of, like, 16-story buildings. They look small from the satellite images and from the flyovers, but those ripples are huge. You gotta remember, too, Randall Carlson said in another interview, in Montana, or the Dakotas, in that area, where you can actually see ripples in the landforms, like the plains, and those things are, like, four stories, five stories high. Yep. And they look like small lake ripples, what you see at the beach. More evidence, I guess, of a flood. Hushlings, who would we be if we weren't to bring Antarctica into the conversation? Some suggest that an occurrence of the hypothetical theory of Earth crust displacement, in which the planet's outermost layer supposedly migrates thousands of miles when its molten innards remain in place rapidly which would have relocated Atlantis from its original position in the middle of the Atlantic to a spot at the bottom of the globe. That's an interesting one. Yeah. I think we mentioned how fast it would be. A thousand miles an hour on a piece of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. You're just like, oh, God, bye. I think Antarctica, there might have been civilization there at the time, but probably not Atlantis. Mm. But who knows? Earth crust displacement's a newer theory. It's a mysterious one. There's also the location of High Brazil, which 
They smoke a lot of weed there. You would think it would be off the Atlantic coast of Brazil. It's not. It's in the North Atlantic Ocean, just west of Ireland. And Celtic myths described it that it was cloaked in mist, except for one day every seven years when it becomes visible and still cannot be reached. That one's interesting because High Brazil, you can see it on a map. If you look at it on Google Earth, you can actually see the landmass that they're talking about under the water. But it's cloaked in mist. Could have just been mystery where mystery it is in the ocean. Land. But every seven years, it's a weird thing. Why can't it be reached when the mist clears? Don't go into the mist. <laughs> never, come, never come out. An interesting spot that we've talked about previously is Gobekli Tepe. That connection is pretty evident. It's a megalithic archaeological site uncovered in the south of Turkey, which was built way back around 9100 BC, roughly 11,000 years ago. The same era that Plato writes that Atlantis was destroyed. Plato also mentioned that he heard the story from Solon. Solon is an interesting character. Solon, and I just recently learned this, was the sixth, what was he? He was the great uncle sixth removed from Plato, so he was like his great times six uncle. If you look at six generations of life leading to Plato, the average lifespan, probably around 30 at that point. So six times three, that's 180 years difference between him and his uncle Solon. Mm-hmm. If Solon was the one that came up with the original idea of Atlantis, or was first to talk about it and pass that story on down, Atlantis had been around for 200 years plus at that point. Solon saw the story on hieroglyphics in Egypt when he traveled to Egypt. And that's where he found the dates and the story of Atlantis and then played telephone back to where Plato wrote about it. Shit. That's why this impact thing has got correspondence with Atlantis because there's all these high-tech civilizations that we think have been around only a couple thousand years, but may have been rebuilds of something that was around the time of the original story of Atlantis. You talk about Gobekli Tempe. That is an area very close to where ancient Sumerians were, which the Anunnaki. You're talking about Poseidon living and being the one who created Atlantis. Are all these things the same thing? I think that connection is very big. There could have been all these places. They might not have all been for the proposed Atlantis, but there were civilizations that were talking about this even far after. Back to Graham Hancock, one location that he speaks of is Yanaguni, where he has dived under the sea to find massive walls as high as eight stories, steps, and other man-made looking ruins. According to Hancock, Atlantis met its demise in a catastrophic celestial event. In Graham Hancock's book, Magicians of the Gods, he goes on to say, It is believed that North America was the epicenter of the resulting cataclysm, with several of the largest impacts on the North American ice cap, causing floods and tidal waves and throwing a vast cloud of dust into the upper atmosphere that enshrouded the Earth, preventing the sun's rays from reaching the surface and thus initiating the sudden, mysterious global deep freeze that geologists call the Younger Dryas we have the religious accounts of floods. Flood stories pervade hundreds of cultures and there are striking similarities to many of the accounts. It seems that at least some of these stories could be based upon actual events. In the Judeo-Christian flood story, God became angry with the sins of mankind. 
One of the oldest flood stories in ancient Mesopotamia is one of the earliest stories known to man, the Epic of Gilgamesh. The Aztec flood story also shares similarities with the story of Noah, and the Greeks said that Zeus, the king of the gods, was displeased with the human population. In the Hindu deluge tale, Lord Vishnu, the fish god, told Manu that the world would be destroyed in a great flood. There's also accounts in Chinese, Norse, Buddhist, Aboriginal, and Native American beliefs of similar accounts. Of course, there's always the question of, did Plato just make this up? Most historians and scientists throughout history have come to the conclusion that Plato's account of the lost kingdom of Atlantis was fictional. According to this argument, the Greek philosopher invented Atlantis as his vision of an ideal civilization, and intended the story of its demise to be a cautionary tale of the gods punishing humans. Do you think he made it up? That's hard to say. It could go either way. I like Andrew Collins' thought on it is that he was describing some sort of cataclysmic event to this major city. I don't think that he made it up. I think maybe it was one of those situations of exaggeration, maybe. He came across Atlantis and maybe it wasn't as big or luxurious of a city as he made it out to be. But to his own personal experience, it was a great city. There's just like a little shithole on an island <laughs> with like wood huts. You got to think about his uncle, give or take 200 years before, was the one that handed down that story because of something that he saw. So in reality, the Plato story is a passed down story from Solon. So for pushing 200 years before that, it's even more likely that Atlantis was a piece of shit city that he was just really impressed with. <laughs> or maybe he planned on buying real estate at Atlantis and this was him hyping it up so that up, he could yeah. sell properties. <laughs> Do you think it was like the current Atlantis uh, resort? That's actually exactly what it was. With the water slide that goes through the shark tank? Yeah. <laughs> out of the pyramid? <laughs> Those commercials looked awesome. Solon's just writing this down. This weekend I went to the greatest resort. <laughs> At a continental breakfast. Can you believe it? A continental fucking breakfast. I love being in continent. <laughs> <laughs> Atlantis could also be something very otherworldly. Could it be the product of extraterrestrials? Maybe. Or even be a spacecraft that left the Earth during the time it's stated to be. Many theorists have made claims that it could be an actual spacecraft that has moved from location to location since Atlantis had been noted in many myths and stories from all over the globe. Imagine that. That would be wild if Atlantis was just a massive craft. That's the ancient alien theory, is that Atlantis was a craft. So that would make sense in the High Brazil case, right? Shrouded in mist. mist you can yeah. never go there. And then yeah. it appears and then disappears. And why every seven years? Hmm. Maybe that's the rotation of it. If you have, I guess we'll just call it a massive moving city, and it makes its rounds around the Earth, maybe it stops in certain spots over and over and over again for a certain period of time, and then when it goes back to High Brazil, it's visible for that one day that it like lands or whatever. With all the mist. Yeah, with all the mist. And then the mist goes up and people are like, oh, it's a mysterious city. <laughs> That'd be pretty crazy, though. It would be. Or it moved around from where High Brazil was, and then over where the Azores are, and 
just to really trick people. Every seven years, it was in a different spot. Yeah, just moving around. And that's why you have so many different proposed areas or you have many different thoughts on it. And people were talking about floods and all these different cultures. And maybe that's why so many of these worldwide cultures are found in one place. You think about it, if it lands in, in Egypt, there's going to be Egyptians that are like, oh, I'm just going to stay with the city. Why go back to my shitty hut? I'm going to stay in Atlantis. And then Atlantis <laughs> takes off and they go to fucking Ireland. Like, there's bound to be point. people that just didn't get off. They were like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. This is cool. <laughs> there is the account that Poseidon mated with humans mm. and that made the Atlanteans. Another Anunnaki connection, too. You know, Nephilim and all this other religious stuff that kind of has the same theme. But thinking about it seven years, there were still seven seas at the time of 13,000 mm. years ago. Could it have spent a year sailing, cruising around on its yacht <laughs> around all the different seas? Space yacht. Yeah. What if they were just like, no, this planet's great. We're just going to vacation here for a year and vacation there. And Think about in human perspective, like you're saying, if you had a yacht, a really nice sailboat even, and you could just travel anywhere in the world, wouldn't you just go around the world a bunch of times and like stop in the most beautiful places and different terrains and different environments and... Uh, Especially if you could fly, you can see it very easily at higher altitudes. So. Atlantis fucking travel agency. <laughs> Notice they don't have a stop in Florida. Uh, no Cape Canaveral. <laughs> and that's what the comet hit, so they tried to wipe Florida out, but it didn't work. <laughs> well, now, what if it's not an extraterrestrial ship but it's a ship from hollow earth part of that civilization mm. that admiral bird saw mm. taking trips to the outer crust <gasps> oh the outer crust oh that's like us doing commercial space flight all right the account is and that one day and one night it sank into the ocean mm. so maybe it didn't take it off it was a city that didn't fly but sank into the next level of the hollow earth and then transported to a different part of the crust and then emerged from there. Mm. Or was in High Brazil's location every seven years and then all of a sudden after this massive maybe cataclysm, it just never came back from hollow earth. Just said, fuck it, we're not coming back. Imagine one day it just emerges. Until the Nazis. Oh, Jesus. Well, boys, well, boys, we have had a blast here. I want to get into our final thoughts. David, let me know what you think about the famed city of Atlantis. Personally, I think Atlantis was probably a real place at one time. Could it have been a story of different areas passed down over? I mean, you're talking many, many years. Yes, I think us looking for it and trying to find the evidence in different areas, probably the best area is probably going to be near the Straits of Gibraltar because that's where it's claimed to be. Also, Egypt is off the Mediterranean and the Greek islands are off the Mediterranean. So you're kind of in the same world of where Plato lived. It also could be something that is older than 13,000 years. I think Atlantis, all in all, probably was a real place that has been passed down through the shitty history game of telephone. I like the last theory we talked about. It could be the citizens of inner Earth popping a visit here and there. It's a huge mystery, and my main subscription to it is definitely siding with the we probably got whacked by something, and these are all the flood stories. Interesting stuff. I will keep it brief. 
I think Atlantis was a real city, but I think it was definitely blown out of proportion or gassed up between the story going from Solon to Plato and then Plato writing it down. It seems like a tale of some sort of famous city passed down from, you know, if your uncle's going to sit you down one day and tell you this beyond belief type of story. I think that's what Solon did in describing it to his family. And then that story was passed down through the generations until Plato was like, yeah, it's a real place. Whether or not Plato himself ever saw Atlantis, that's to be seen. But if he did, maybe it's not a gassed up story. But again, it could be a gassed up story by Plato. Either way, Atlantis is a cool one. We can jive on it for a while, talking about whether it's aliens or another species or had to do with the Anunnaki or if it had to do with inner earth. They're all very interesting things. But personally, I think Atlantis was just a, a gassed up supermarket in the middle of the desert that people were really flocking towards to do all their uh, selling of wild mushrooms. That's just my take on it. Frank, final thoughts. Frank's final thoughts. I do think Atlantis was a real place. Again, I, I can't say whether or not it was everything Plato described, but I do think it was a real place, and I do think that however it came to perish is unknown. Personally, if they're as smart and civilized as Plato made it out to sound to be, I'm going to go ahead and place my chips on the Santorini volcanic type thing. In my head, I think that makes a lot of sense for them to just settle up in this top of the volcano and they're just harvesting the geothermal energy. I think that's a really cool idea. Whether it's plausible or not, I don't know. If I'm leaning more towards the crater impact thing, which I like because there's actual hard physical evidence in the geology of surrounding areas that you can see, I like the eye of the Sahara. Just looking at those pictures from satellite images and flyovers is just breathtaking and you look at it and it lets me really visualize it. I can see it. And I really like the inner earth vacationer theory, but... <laughs> I don't know if it's entirely plausible. This in particular, I'm going to lead more towards the geological evidence. It's a fun one, though, with the interterrestrials. We could do like five parts just on the history of Atlantis. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. It's interesting. Maybe Atlantis really is those resorts. Inner Earth, <laughs> the ones on inner TV. Earth resorts, yeah, with the slides and all that cool water park shit. It's just the reptiles putting it in our face again. <laughs> it's the fucking reptilians. It's time for us to surface and depressurize hushlings. What did you think of this episode? Was there anything that we should have discussed? Is there anything that we missed? Did we come up too early and get the bends? Let us know your thoughts on this topic. Let us know your thoughts on all of our topics. You can reach out to us at contact at hushhushsociety.com. Tune in for Debriefing 44 and get ready for liftoff for Hollow Moon Theory that will be streaming everywhere Monday, March 14th. We're getting hollow again! Hollow, 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 hollow. I'm excited for that one. Hollow, hollow! Patrons, Thursday, March 17th, good old St. Patty's Day. Mm. We have a new exclusive debriefing coming out where we explore leprechauns. And we will also be featuring one of our patrons in the episode. Think of it as a exclusive debriefing Cryptid Chronicles hybrid mashup. Mmm, getting all mashy. And one more thing before you go, Hushlings. We will keep on reminding you up until the freaking day. Tune in June 6th 
for our 50th, that's 5-0 debriefing in the fifth live show. Stay tuned for more details. Thank you again for joining the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. <laughs> and I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. What a shitty city. <laughs> Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.